Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What is going on, everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. And this one is some of my final thoughts ahead of the Game Week 2 deadline. So as always, I'm going to go through the latest news and information and give you my thoughts and opinions. So if you do enjoy the video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And there is still time to get signed up for Fantasy Football Hub with up to 50% off at the moment. All the links you need are in the description below. So the big news to start off with is that apparently Reese James has picked up another injury. Now, I will say I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon in order to be able to release it early on Friday and at the time recording this information is only coming from one place and that is Nathan Gissing on Twitter now to be fair he's always had good Chelsea information in the past so I'm not saying it's incorrect but obviously once you've listened to this you can wait and see what Pochettino says in his press conference before making any decisions and it would also be really good to find out exactly how long he's going to be out for but at the moment the information we have from Nathan is Chelsea captain Rhys James has picked up a fresh hamstring injury due for scan later on today. So presumably, he's going to be out for at least two to four weeks and is no longer an option for FPL. And obviously, we'll talk about the knock-ons in a minute. Just before that, I do want to say I really feel for the guy. Like, I know what people will say. He's getting paid a load of money. It doesn't matter if he's not playing, he's rich, etc. But money isn't everything. And this must be mentally challenging at this point to keep missing out and have to keep going back through injuries. And ultimately, even if you're not a Chelsea fan, you want to see the best players playing. And he is one of the best right backs in the league when he's fit. And it kind of sucks that we don't get to see him more often. So I do feel for him, and I hope he's back soon. But obviously, from an FPL point of view, this does leave potentially a £4 million defender for Chelsea who are about to come into a really good fixture run. So Gusto uh, played during pre-season and did pretty well. And he was basically brought in as the Reese James backup. And obviously, he's going to be needed now. And we know how good the fixtures are. We talked about them loads. West Ham away game week two, then Luton at home, Forest at home, Bournemouth away, etc. The only slight doubt i have is is he definitely going to be the right back i think it's i think it's obvious he is the backup but does that mean he definitely now plays every single game until reese james is back presumably he will but is it a guarantee that's what i'm slightly worried about so i would definitely want to see the west ham away game before i bring him in and the reason i say that 
Because if you listen to Pochettino after the Liverpool game, he said that was a back four and Chilwell was playing left wing, which means Colwell was left back. So they could put Chilwell left back, Colwell left centre back, Thiago Silva right centre back, and then Dezazi, who I thought played pretty well against Liverpool, could then go and play right back instead. Let's not forget, Caicedo has played right back for Brighton as well. And I'm sure that's not where Pochettino wants to use him. But he could play there. And Lavia could just play in that midfield instead. So there's loads of different solutions to this for Pochettino. The obvious one, and I realise this sounds like overthinking, is that Gusto just comes in and he's 4 million and he's a really great option. I think for me, it will just really depend on how long James is out for. If it's only two to three weeks, I'm not sure this is such a good move. Because obviously, once James is fit, he's going to be straight back into the team. And you wouldn't necessarily want to block yourself off from having three Chelsea players. Although, to be fair, if you don't want to run the risk of James, and you don't want any of the 4.5s, it's only really Chilwell, Sanchez, Jackson, and maybe Sterling. So maybe it's not a huge issue. Maybe you just take the two to three games, and then just leave him on your bench until perhaps Reese James picks up another injury. So Gusto's going to be the big winner. For any of you that have bought Reese James in already. I guess this is a bit of a reminder not to make early transfers. And look, I will be... Uh, sorry, I'm sure I will make an early transfer at some point. I'm not saying it's a completely bad idea, especially if money is tight and stuff like that. But if you can, you really want to wait until later on in the week. For anyone that has brought him in, if you don't have other good defenders that you can play this week, so three solid defenders with good fixtures and Pochettino says that Reese James is out for three or more weeks, I'd even be tempted to take a hit to rectify it. The player that I would really want this week is Chilwell. I'm not sure I would bring in any Man City defenders. You probably can't go for Luke Shaw because he's got Spurs away. So I guess then it would have to be someone like Saliba or Estrepinan if you don't already own them. I think the ideal situation is to play three of your other defenders and probably just bench him and then reassess with two free transfers in game week three because the amount of great defenders this week with good fixtures and, and not that high like Liverpool you could go to Trent Alexander-Arnold if you've got loads of money in the bank you could go for Rico Henry if you want to save some money as well but there's not a huge amount of other players on the list so Saliba, Estupinian and Chilwell are probably the top three that I would look at otherwise you could just roll and deal with it next week so I think that's everything covered Gusto's probably going to be the key winner here as long as James is out for a while only four million the double up with Chilwell would look great don't make early transfers unless you have to and there are some replacements but it's still perfectly viable to roll into game week three if you wanted to all right let's get into some of your questions is captain in Salah over Haaland worth the gamble and I gotta be honest when I saw this question and lots of people sent it in phrased very similarly I was thinking to myself really what is the gamble like Salah is fantastic he scored over 230 points in every season he's played for Liverpool. His underlying numbers, expected goals, expected assists are always good. He's nailed on for one of the best attacks in the league. And he's got Bournemouth at home. I feel like if we're being objective about it, in terms of who's going to score the most points, it's surely more likely to be Salah against Bournemouth at home than it is Haaland against Newcastle at home. So really, there is no gamble there. I mean, every week you're making picks and transfers and captain decisions, just hoping to get the most points. It doesn't always work out but it doesn't mean you should stop making the same decisions. So I think Salah is the best captain this week. Of course, I know what people mean when they say, is it worth the gamble? Because Haaland's uh, ownership is so high and anyone that doesn't own Salah, pretty much anyone anyway, is going to captain Haaland. I do get that. And it is worth considering how you're going to react if this goes wrong. And let me take it, oh, sorry, take it from someone that was in this position last year. It's not that fun. 
I captained Salah over Harden lots early on in the season. I don't think it went well once from about like three to five times that I did it. And I did fall behind in rank. But by the end of the season, I was like 35k. So it didn't really make too much of a difference. I know what people will say. If I'd gone Harden instead of Salah all those times, I would have finished top 10k or whatever. I get that. But not every decision you make in FPL is going to go right. So you've got to, you've got to think about that aspect. But if we're just talking about who's going to get the most points, and I had to put 100 quid on it this week, it's surely Salah with Bournemouth at home. And if you want some confirmation bias for that decision, Salah's just had a whole week off before that game. Haaland's had to go and play the whole match against Sevilla in the Super Cup. And also, he didn't do that well in that game. I'm going to discuss that later on. For what it's worth, I don't think that makes too much of a difference. And he's pretty much a guaranteed point scorer at home, even against teams like Newcastle. So I'm not really worried about him as an owner and as someone that's going to captain Haaland this week. But I'd much rather have Salah. And you might say, well, why didn't you start with him? Well, there's lots of other reasons for that. I felt like over the long term, the way I built my squad of getting better value players would earn me more points. But I knew that game week two would be a problem. So if you've got him, surely that's the reason you selected him in the first place, because he's got a better fixture than Haaland. And we know he's great. And forget about all that stuff that last year it was 9-0 and he didn't score. The chances of that happening are super low. I think it is worth the gamble. But each individual FPL manager out there will have to decide how they're going to feel or how they're going to react if it does go wrong. Because if Haaland scored a hat-trick against Newcastle or even two goals and Salah got an assist, it's not completely unreasonable that that could happen. How are you going to feel about that? Think about that. And if you can handle it, go for Salah because surely on paper he's the better pick. So with De Bruyne out, do you expect Foden to start most games? Should we keep him or is it time to move on? Now, just on that last part of the question, is it time to move on? I would question why he was in the team in the first place because we knew he was starting ahead of the deadline. And at that point, De Bruyne was fit and people still made the decision to own him. So now De Bruyne is out. Surely this isn't the time to move on. There's one less player that can play in that attack. So I think for now, if I own Foden... I would keep him for Newcastle at home and reassess after that. In terms of do I expect him to start most games, I think my answer is yes, but it depends what your definition of most is. Like, Do I think he'll start three or four of every six games? Yes. Could he get to five out of six? Possibly. Six out of six, I think that's difficult for any Man City player. But he should get decent enough minutes while De Bruyne is out. But as always, it is not guaranteed whatsoever. I did touch on this in the game week preview, but interestingly, since then... We've had the Super Cup game. And I mentioned that Pep Guardiola keeps talking about Foden's ability to play central, but never actually plays in there. But he did in the Super Cup. Grealish played on the left. Cole Palmer was on the right. And Fernando Foden played through the middle. So that is promising. But you have to kind of put context around that. Alvarez was on the bench. He can also play in that number eight role instead of Foden. And Bernardo Silva wasn't in the squad because he's because uh, he's injured, right? And I don't know how long he's going to be out for. If he's out for a while, that definitely helps Foden even more. But if he's going to be back soon, that's even more competition. So even if Bernardo played right instead of Cole Palmer, you've still got Alvarez that can play in the middle instead of Foden. So then it's whether or not Foden keeps playing central, or does he play left instead of Grealish? Does he play right instead of Palmer and Bernardo? Or does he go back to the bench? And I don't know what anyone else thinks. Maybe there's some Man City fans watching that think, I'm just completely overthinking this. He's definitely going to continue to start. But for me, it's just still such a headache. And obviously, the transfer window is still open until September 1st, I think it is. So that's like game week four. So Man City might go and buy more attackers anyway. 
I, I don't know. I, for me, it's just too much of a headache to work out. We know he's a fantastic player. And when he does get minutes, he will get points. I know it didn't happen in game week one. I'd be surprised if that continued. And I probably would keep him. But I know what happens with Man City players. Like if he blanks in game week two, it's going to be a fire sale for him no matter what happens. And that's the problem because people just get kind of itchy trigger fingers with those transfers because they don't want this headache every single week about whether they're going to start. So yeah, I guess to quickly finish off and answer the questions. Yes, I think he'll start most games. I probably would keep him. It's probably not time to move on now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. But it might be soon. So nice and simple, Gabrielle, should we keep or sell? I think for anyone that made an early transfer of Gabrielle to Chilwell, who had 0.5 in the bank before Chilwell went up to 5.6 million, probably made a good move. I know that makes me sound like a bit of a hypocrite because early on in the video I said don't make early transfers unless you have to. But that probably was quite a good reason to sell Gabrielle. I think for everyone else, the closer we get to the deadline... I'm kind of leaning more towards just keeping him. Like John Stones, lots of people were looking at. He's injured, apparently. Reese James, a lot of people were looking at. He's injured as well. It feels like there's a lot of things happening in FPL at the moment. And we don't really have a definitive answer about exactly who is the best replacement. Obviously, I still like Chilwell, but he's now 5.6 million. So unless you've got 0.6 million or more in the bank, you can't get to him in one move. And I don't think it's worth a hit. Is there a sideways move of Gabriel to Saliba? I'm not sure that's worth it either because Gabriel could start against Crystal Palace. We now know that Timber is out for a very long time. That's surely got to help Gabriel's minutes. It doesn't guarantee it because when Zinchenko is back, he could play left back instead of Timber. And obviously you could still have party right back with Ben White and Saliba in the middle. But I'd be surprised if Gabriel doesn't start against Crystal Palace. And I think, again, going back to those fixtures we talked about earlier, there's not really a huge amount of other defenders, which I think provide massive upside that warrant selling him this week. If you're keen to do it because you are worried about a start, and let's just say it's not guaranteed, and you don't have a bench or anything like that, then Rico Henry at 4.5, Gusto at Chelsea for 4 million could be worth the risk as well. But at 5 million... I don't think there's a really huge amount of options that I would look at. Like, if we go down the list of 5 million defenders, Inchenko's not fully fit, Moreno is injured, 
Dunk, obviously, you're probably not going to go there. You've already got SGP Nyan. If you don't have SGP Nyan, he could be worth a look, as long as you can cover his kind of bad fixtures with someone on your bench. I would ignore the Chelsea defenders. Canati probably doesn't have enough upside, although Bournemouth at home this week is good. And then you're back to those Man City defenders. And I already talked about Vardio and Akanji. And that's kind of my problem with selling Gabriel now. I can't sit here and tell you I think this person is the one to go for. I guess in some ways it's good that there's so many options. But often there's an obvious replacement and you just do it because you know whether Gabriel starts or not, it's a good move. But because you don't know that, I feel like you can just keep hold of him and decide what to do next week. And if you really want to go up to a Saliba or a Chilwell or someone like that, you can then also get the funds from making that second move, your second free transfer. So obviously it's completely up to you, but I'd probably lean more towards keeping at this stage. So is Haaland still worth it with De Bruyne out? He didn't look great against Sevilla. The supply didn't seem to be there. And it wasn't his best game. He had like one shot in total and that was blocked. And I think about 15 touches. Although we know by now to not look at the touches. Because half the time it feels like he's not involved. And he still pops up with like two or three goals. So I do get the concern. We should say that Sevilla aren't pushovers. I know it was Champions League winners versus Europa League winners. And you'd expect City to absolutely smash it. But Sevilla are pretty good. And also, it's early on in the season as well. It's right between game weeks one and two. You don't want to pick up injuries and stuff like that. Maybe not all players are up to match fitness. They could all be reasons why it wasn't the best game for Haaland. But I feel like we've been here before. Do you remember early on, kind of last season, I think Haaland got a few early hat-tricks and then kind of didn't, didn't do badly, right? But he kind of tailed off in terms of the amount of goals he was scoring. And loads of content started coming out. Are Man City a better team without Haaland? Then look what happened. So I wouldn't put too much judgment based on one game. There's like a couple of days after game week one and right before game week two. I can't see any reason why you would take Haaland out right now. I will say this has come at a perfect time for those people that are going to captain Salah. That does look a little bit better now. I went through the league games last year where De Bruyne didn't start, but Haaland did. Interestingly, the first time that happened was game week five and Haaland scored a hat-trick against Forrest. So he definitely can score. After that, he only scored a maximum of one goal in every other game. So Spurs, one goal. Played Spurs again and blanked. Both games, De Bruyne didn't play. Bournemouth, one goal. Palace, one goal. Fulham was one. West Ham he scored against. And then Everton as well. So he didn't have any games where he scored two or more goals apart from that Nottingham Forest one. But it still shows just how consistent he can be even without De Bruyne. And let's be honest, Pep will have that team drilled to still create plenty of chances. Would I prefer, as a Haaland captain, to have De Bruyne in the team? Absolutely. But I think it's way too early to panic. And I think the lack of panic is also because of the fixtures. So, okay, not necessarily an ideal time to play Newcastle, especially after the Super Cup. But straight after that, Sheffield United away, Fulham at home, West Ham away, Forest at home. I think no matter what happens with injuries in that Man City team, if Haaland is fit... I need him for those games, and I'm more than happy to kind of captain him. And also, it's not like Salah has a load of great fixtures in that time. Like He definitely has fixtures where you could captain him, and probably in previous years we would have done. But you're looking at uh, Newcastle away, Villa at home, Wolves away, West Ham at home. They are definitely on paper worse fixtures than what Man City have. So I wouldn't react too much to one game. And also, what are you going to do with the money anyway? Unless you take a hit to go to Salah, there's no other big premium players. De Bruyne is injured. Kane is off to buy, or he's not off to buy, and he's he's in Germany as we speak. There's not really any way to spend the money. So I would just keep him. It's not worth a hit to Salah. 
let's see how he does over the next few games. So is it crazy to bring in James Madison for Bruno Fernandes in game week two instead of game week three? And look, I don't want to sit here and tell anyone their moves are crazy. And so if you're happy to do it and you think it improves your FPL team, you should definitely go for it. Would I make the move? Probably not. The only reason I can see for moving early for James Madison is he might go up to 7.6 million before the game week two deadline. And if he does, and then you make this transfer later, you'd only have 0.9 million to spend instead of the whole 1 million. And if you need that million for future moves, then maybe it's worth it. But I will say at some point this season, you're going to miss a price change. There'll be someone that's going up in price that it's not worth bringing in just yet, or someone will be going down, but you need to keep hold of them. It's going to happen, and at some point, you've got to get over that. And I'm not saying that this person that's asked the question is thinking like that, but lots of people will, that they've got to get every single price change. You are going to miss them at some point this season. And because of that, unless you're desperate for that extra $1 million, I'd rather get a week's worth more information and just hold on to Bruno Fernandes for game week two. And I would also ask yourself... If in game week two, Madison blanks and Man United look a lot better, because let's not forget, it was just one game against Wolves. It was poor. I think everyone would expect Man United to improve moving forward. So they play well, and Fernandez scores a goal from open play. Let's say it's not a penalty. And then in game week three, you've got Madison against Bournemouth away instead of Bruno against Forrest at home. Like, how will you feel about that? If you'd be happy to still have Madison, even though he's blanked and Fernandez has just returned and now has a better fixture, go ahead and make the move. If by asking that question you're now a little bit unsure, it's probably worth waiting and just getting that second transfer. I think in the short term, like Spurs fixtures are better. Not necessarily this week. I mean, Man United at home versus Spurs away, probably quite similar. But game week three, four, and five, Spurs have got Bournemouth away, Burnley away, and Sheffield United at home. Whereas Man United have got that Forest at home game that I mentioned, Arsenal away, and Brighton at home. So Spurs game weeks three to five are better but because Man United have got that Forest at home game in game week three, it gives you a buffer where you don't necessarily need to react. Because if you get to game week three and have to keep hold of them, it's really not the end of the world. It's such a good fixture. You could look to move on afterwards. But also, if you look a bit longer term, after that Brighton game in game week five, Man United have got Burnley away, Palace at home, Brentford at home, Sheffield United away. Whereas Spurs have got Arsenal away in game week six, Liverpool at home in game week seven. Then to be fair, they got Luton and Fulham. But for the four fixtures after game week five, Man United are slightly better. So it was a long-term choice, especially if they start looking, sorry, especially if they look good against Spurs, they could be players that are easy to hold on to. So I just feel like Madison is going to be a good pick this year. He looked good against Brentford. I expect him to continue to tick over with points, but I don't think he has suddenly become essential and all it's going to take is a goal or two from Rashford and Fernandez, and people will change their tune on whether they want them in their team. They'll suddenly start looking a bit further ahead in the fixtures, thinking they could just be long-term holds. So is it crazy? No. Would I do it? Also, probably no. But I am super keen on having two free transfers for game week three. If you've enjoyed that video, make sure to give it a like and hit that subscribe button. Help me hit 375k subscribers on YouTube. If you're listening on to, uh, on podcast, whichever platform you're on, if you can rate five stars, make sure you do. That's really helping out. Really appreciate the support at the moment. Otherwise, I'll catch you later on YouTube for the deadline stream, which will probably start around quarter past four. I'll see you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.